0: his holiness what an awesome song just to be reminded of his glory his holiness and his presence you know um we're looking at uh, acts chapter 14 this morning but i want to just talk a little bit about some modern people that were are very similar to paul in many ways i want to show you a picture of uh, jeremiah small he's from southwest washington and you see these a couple of arabic guys beside him because he's in he was in iraq and uh, he was a, he's a devout follower of Christ, and the people around him from Washington, they said that the reason he went to Iraq was because he was so passionate about his faith, and he knew that in Iraq, uh, he could be a testimony to Christ. And so he, he was a school teacher in, in Washington, and so he went to Iraq, and he was a school teacher at one of the uh, academies there. And um, one day, a, a Muslim student in grade 11 approached him and quietly said, I don't know what to do. She'd been reading about Jesus and believed what she read, she explained, but her parents would never let her become a Christian. In an email back home, Jeremiah writes, I encouraged her to consider what she had read and explained that it wasn't my place to tell her to be a Christian, but she should keep reading and let the object of of her faith take shape and its character be proven. And then in the email, he asked for prayer for this young lady. Not long afterwards, one of his grade 12 students came to class, pulled out a gun, and shot him dead. Jeremiah's father wrote in an email that day, Our eldest, Jeremiah, was martyred in Kurdistan this morning. School's website lists its mission as through outreach, education, discipleship, servant group, international teams, work to share the truth, and the beauty of Jesus to our Muslim friends. Our hope is to see the Gospel bless and transform Muslim families and communities for generations to come. Small's father said uh, every time he went through the airport scanner, we knew we had to let go, not knowing if we would ever see him again. So my question really to you today is, Jeremiah Small, what's with him? Why did he travel halfway around the world to, to be in a school that he knew would be dangerous, that he knew would be threatening to his faith. Why did he go? God caught him. He had passion. He desired. Something in his heart ticked and was with God on this, and he went. Here's a photo of uh, Miriam Ibrahim on her wedding day in 2011. Uh, she... Uh, She was sentenced to death in Sudan, two years after this photo was taken um, because she married a Christian and wouldn't renounce her faith. Uh, She said she's been a Christian ever since she grew up, but uh, the state believed that she was a Muslim before, and so she was sentenced to death. Now the tragedy is that her son, who was 18 months old, was with her in the prison cell. And she was pregnant, eight months pregnant. Sentenced to death. And so uh, her husband, uh, Daniel, Wanny, went to see her and was admitted into the jail. And there he w- talked to her through the bars. Uh, his son on the other side. Her, her, her legs were in shackles. Her legs were swollen and raw from the, the shackles being on them. And uh, he started making a lot of noise about this horrible situation that his wife was in. The only reason she was there was because she supposedly had converted from the Muslim faith to the Christian faith and married a Christian. This is in the Sudan. When the the toddler asked to see his father, he was struck by one of the guards and told to be quiet. He doesn't have a father because that's the way they treat them. Now, Miriam is a wealthy, up-to-do, outstanding citizen. She owns a mall in in the Sudan. She's wealthy. But she refused to deny her faith, in spite of the fact of the torture of her family and not knowing what would happen to her children if she was murdered. Thankfully, the international community uh, got all upset about it. (laughs) and Many letters, many emails, many, many phone calls later, She was uh, allowed to leave the country. Um, What made Miriam cling to her faith in the middle of that prison cell? All she had to do was say, okay, I'm a Muslim. I don't believe in Jesus anymore. Just one sentence would have freed her from prison. But she stayed. What makes these people tick? (laughs) Like, what is going on? And I could tell you the story of Mada, Madhi dabi Je, ja, or Bishop Havikad Mayar, who was killed for his, both these Iranian pastors killed for their faith, or Gordaban Dori Tarani, or uh, Gail Williams, or Kim Sung Il, a South Korean missionary who was uh, beheaded, these are just a few of the well-known martyrs, but there are martyrs all over the world that we don't know anything about, especially in countries where there is uh, there is tyranny. People aren't talking. What drove these people to be so passionate about Jesus Christ? What was it? Because when, I mean, when I share my faith, I mean, if someone criticizes me or mocks me, it doesn't take very long shut me down. Okay, well, if you don't want to hear the gospel, maybe someone else will, and I move on fairly quickly. What was it about these people? Well, I believe that they follow in the footsteps of Barnabas and 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 Paul, and that's who we're going to look at in Acts chapter 14. What drove the apostle Paul and Barnabas to be so passionate about Christ? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, last week we talked about him doing, you know, miracle evangelism, and then uh, preaching the gospel, going through the Old Testament to convince people, and they stirred up, but then at the end of that whole passage last week that we talked about in Acts 13, in verse 50 it says, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. They're, they're so upset with Paul and Barnabas, they kicked him out of the town and said, don't ever come back here, we don't Okay, we'll get kicked out of this place, we'll go to the next place. Kicked out of that place, go to the next place. Kicked out of that place, go to the next place. And that's, that's what they were doing. And uh, um, we're going to skip down a, l- a bit for the next story, what happened in Lystra. Um, but uh, in verse 14, some, uh, some of the Jews from, from Antioch and Iconium uh, won the crowd over. They, they come down there and they poison the minds of the people there. And they go, hey, no, don't listen to these guys. They're false prophets. They're, I don't know what they said. But the people, there was a big crowd there. they, they First, they thought they were gods. But then the next thing you know, they, they think they're criminals. And uh, they actually stone Paul. Now, they're not throwing gravel at Paul, okay? They're throwing big rocks. And they're trying to kill him. And in fact, they think they have killed him. Uh, can you imagine what a body would look like after it's been stoned? I mean, maybe you've you've seen somebody who's been beaten to death. It would be very similar. I mean, there'd be blood everywhere. There'd be bruises everywhere. The guy would be bashed to smithereens. If they thought he was dead and they dragged him, obviously he was knocked unconscious. But look what it says. Verse 20. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. And the next day he and Barnabas left, left for Derby. Hold on a sec. This guy's beat to tar. And instead of going to the hospital or getting some rest, they take the 30-mile trip. It's 50 kilometers. They got no other form of transport. they walked. Can you imagine Paul limping down the road? Oh, 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 you know. He's got a couple of broken ribs, you know, and his arms in a sling, and he's got this big black eye and a couple of teeth missing, you know. And, oh wow, we're going to the next place to preach. The next day, I mean this guy doesn't take a break. What was going on? This is why see Paul was a fanatic. He was passionate. He had a cause. And he was sticking to the cause. So when he gets to Derby, does he check into the hotel? No. Does he seek a physician to help? Not that we know of. Nope. They preach the gospel. You guessed it. They're out there preaching the gospel again. These guys are unbelievable. Paul's on a mission. He was determined. Why? Because of what was in his heart. What he believed about his mission. Talk about passion for a cause. How about you? How about me? Do we have passion for a cause? You know, sometimes I... Can get really down on myself for some of the times when I, I don't do the things that I know God is calling me to do. Because I know when I do them, the kingdom of God expands. I see it all the time. Paul said this: I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Does it sound like a gift of God's grace for Paul to be a missionary, to be given the gospel, <laughs> to get stoned? And beat up like that? Although I am the least of all God's people, the grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles what the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul wasn't preaching that if you believe in Christ, you will get rich, God will bless you. No, he was saying you will have unsearchable riches. What kind of riches are those? They're spiritual riches. They're an eternal kingdom in heaven. They're a relationship with God Almighty that is personal and powerful. Those are the riches that he was promoting. That's why he thought that this gospel message should be taken to the whole world. And that's why he was ready to be stoned to death nearly and then get up the next day and do it all over again, again and again. He says, "I" in, in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I'm compelled to preach. It's like somebody was driving them. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Though I'm free and belong to nothing, no one, I made myself a slave to everyone. And he goes on to explain how he he, he treats people. To win as many people as possible. And he says, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save all? You would almost think it would be all, but no, Some. He's doing all of this stuff so he could save some. And, and it's evident throughout this passage in chapter 14, if you read it, that in every city he, only saved, he was only able to save some. There was always some, or often the majority, that wouldn't listen, wouldn't pay attention. And so it is with us. If you want to be uh, fanatic, <laughs> radical about Christ, you will still only reach some. But Paul wants to do it in every way, and this is, and I do this for the sake of the Gospel that I might share in its blessings. I love that he believes that that he can share in the blessings of the gospel by going out and preaching and, and you know at one point he said, he explains how how things went as he was preaching. you know <laughs> he talks about being shipwrecked and about being stoned and about whipped three times and, and left for, for dead and naked out in the cold and He tells this wild tale. And what does he say? Oh, these are blessings. (laughs) Why? Because he saw people get saved. He saw people enter into the rich kingdom of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that made him ecstatic. He was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. Ephesians 1, he says this. He says, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. This is why he was passionate. Because he believed that this, this was incredible, that he gets to be a believer, and Jesus paid for his sins. He just thinks, I mean, he says, he uses words like this, his glorious grace, the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. This is the way he, Paul describes the Christian faith. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul is excited about the faith. And this is why he's passionate about it. This is why he wants everybody to know about it. Because it's stirring his heart. Look at what he says in the second chapter. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And, and then in chapter 3, he goes on for, for a while. He's asking that God would bless them with understanding of how great God's love for them is. He says, so that you might grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? <laughs> That's pretty cool. And be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all we ask or imagine according to his work that is power within us. Isn't that awesome? Paul is excited about the gospel. And that's what drove him to be so passionate about the cause of bringing Christ to other people. And in another place he says, we carry this treasure in earthen jars. He recognized that he was frail. He recognized that somebody could take a hammer and smash the earthen pot. He recognized that... He could die at any moment. And in fact, he was killed for his faith. So what about you? Do you recognize what you have? The surpassing greatness of God's love for you? Do you realize how deep it is? How wide it is? How strong it is? And that God has asked you to share that beautiful thing you have with everyone you meet. And you know what? That stirs my heart. I just want to go do it, just like Paul. So we've, we've looked at at uh, the modern martyrs. We've looked at Paul and Barnabas and how passionate they were. Now we're going to just look at how, how did they do it? How did they actually uh, bring people to faith in Christ? So we're going to back up and go back to the beginning of, of the chapter. And... Um, Talk about how to win people to Christ. So the first thing we notice is that they spoke effectively. Look at verse verse 1 of chapter 14. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue, and they spoke so effectively. They were effective speakers. What does that mean? What about you? Are you effective in sharing the gospel? Or are you kind of, well, you you know, Jesus is good. Oh yeah. Well, tell me about him. Well, you know, um, what can I say? I mean, yeah, you should go to church sometimes. You <laughs> come to church with me. You'll hear all about it. Not very effective, right? What happens when someone asks us about our faith? Are we effective? You know, uh, during a five-year apprenticeship in a small retail store, Marshall Fields quickly developed a reputation as a salesperson. Kind, generous, friendly, smiley, eye contact, all these things. And it wasn't long that he owned his own business. And uh, one day, uh, a few years later, Marshall Field was walking through his own store, and uh, he saw a a customer and a clerk having a a dispute. And Field asked the clerk, what are you doing? Well, I'm settling a complaint, he, he replied. No, you're not field corrected. Give the lady what she wants. And you know what? This became the mark. This, this became their catchphrase and their slogan in that store. Give the lady what she wants. And you know what? As Christians, we need to learn from business people to give people what they want. There are people who want to learn about Christ. And we need to give it to them effectively and powerfully and we can't give it to them in a way that they don't want to hear it every person has a different way different need that they need Jesus Christ for and so we need to tailor the gospel to the need of the person that's right in front of us but you know what a lot of times we need sort of a framework to work from I know when I first started sharing my faith I was so nervous, I didn't know what to say, I was scared spitless, and we were actually going door to door, and, and you know, okay, this door's yours, Bill, you go ahead, and I'm like, standing there freaking out, oh, do you, uh, would you like to fill out the survey? <laughs> you know, I was scared as anything, but you know what, I had a plan, at least. I had an understanding of what I was supposed to try to do, what I was supposed to say, and and how to say it and all that kind of stuff. And you know what, after doing it a bunch of times over and over and over, eventually it started sticking and eventually I didn't need all my cheat scripts, you know, I didn't need to read it out to the person. Eventually I was able to share my faith without doing all those things, but it took work. And so what about you? Have you spent the time to learn a good system that works for you? the basics of sharing your faith with other people, and then you can use whatever that is to tailor it to whatever situation you're in? Have you spent the time? Have you put some energy into this? Are you just like, oh, well, it'll happen eventually? Do you have an effective means of communication? That's all it's all about, right? You know, it was interesting when I was uh, last a week, two weeks, almost two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago, we had our leadership class. And we asked the whole class, there's about 30 students there, and we asked them, what kind of things would you like to learn in these leadership classes? And you know what the overwhelming uh, um, response was from people? The most important thing that they actually voted on on, the various. they had a whole list of about 20 things, and then they voted on which ones they felt was the most important. And the one that topped everything else that they wanted to learn was how to share their faith. With other people, it is so important. We need to train on this. So, uh, in a few weeks, we're gonna, or a few months, we're gonna definitely have a class on how to share your faith, how to present the gospel effectively. And, uh, but I don't think we should wait for a few months. I think maybe we should get on this right away. You know, the Bible says, "Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity." Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. The seasoned with salt, that means the the good stuff that you've studied to put into that conversation so that you might know how to answer everyone. This, making the most of every opportunity, every time you're chatting with a clerk in a restaurant, on a bus, in an airplane, I tell you, I love sitting in an airplane and chatting with someone, their captive audience, you know, for about three hours. <laughs> so plenty of time to share the gospel. But there's other times when, I, oh, I'm just tired and I don't feel like it. Make the most of every opportunity. First Peter 3, verse five, 15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this in gentleness and respect. This is not bashing people over the head with the gospel. Or running through the park saying, hey, are you saved, sinner? That's not what it's about. This is about a genuine concern for people. And a love for them. And helping them see the truth. So let me ask you. Have you studied the salvation message? you have it down pat can you just go through it can you just run it off some of you probably have and some of you probably shared many times and you're totally comfortable sharing your faith okay so the next 10 minutes you don't need to listen okay for the rest of you if you're not totally comfortable sharing your faith got a few pointers I want to point out um you know Maybe you don't quite know exactly what to say. You can't remember, let's see, the four spiritual laws. There's number one law was uh, God has a wonderful plan to your life. What's number two? I don't know if you know them all. You know? Number two is that uh, we're sinful and we're separated from God. Number three, anyone? God. No, that's, that's the first one. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Number two is we're, we're sinful and... Uh, Don't measure up to God. Number three? What's that? Jesus paid for for the price for your sin. Exactly. And what's number four? Repent Repent and believe. It's actually faith, but yeah, accept him by faith. Exactly. Those are the four spiritual laws. I'm glad you know them, sort of. (laughs) Uh, What about steps to peace to God? Another great little track. You can find it everywhere. Or the Romans Road. You go all through the book of Romans, look up various passages. And, uh, you know, maybe you know that you have to share about Jesus dying on the cross at some point. But you can't remember all the points. You're not sure if you can get them in the right order. And you're just nervous, okay? What I would challenge you to do is get one of those things. Choose one. Choose four spiritual Loss, steps to peace with Christ, the Romans Road, the bridge illustration. Choose one. It doesn't really matter which one it is. Just choose one. And memorize the thing. And you know, I remember way back, I chose one. I chose the four spiritual laws, I think it was, I'm not sure exactly. But I chose the four spiritual laws. And what I did was I I took my Bible, and I opened up to John 10, verse 10, which is the first verse in the tract, right? And I marked the page. I, I bent this page over like that in my Bible, and I bent this page over like that in my Bible. And then beside John 10, verse 10, I wrote, first spiritual law god loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and then i highlighted the verse you know um, but i have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly okay i just highlighted it and then then this is very important i put the next verse beside it and said the next verse is romans 323 or romans 623 i don't remember which one exactly and then I would go to that one, and I'd do the same thing, and I'd write it all out there in my Bible. So anywhere I went, I had my Bible. I, had, I looked like, a, I looked like a, a genius saint, you know, someone who memorized half the Bible, because, you know, I'd just read it to them, and, oh, and then there's this other verse, and I'd go directly to it, you know, and, I, and it looked like I knew everything, but really, it was all written there for me, and it was very easy, and it was very simple, and it really, really helped, because I often carried my Bible in my car. I would have it around. And so I'd just be able to open my Bible and share the gospel with people. And I found it to be very helpful. And so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, you can do it right now if you like. Just Well, no, you don't have the track. But anyways, you can look the track up online. They're, they're everywhere. Um, they're very easy to get a hold of. And just, just do it. It's, it's great. But you know what? Most of us don't carry our Bibles around with us all the time, do we? What do we carry? Our cell, Our cell phones, right. Now, Most, many of you, probably most of you, have this, the Bible on your cell phone, but you can't exactly turn over the page and you know, take your highlighter out and highlight it and scribble in notes. So what do you do? We have an app for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we have all kinds of apps. We have the Four Spiritual Laws app. We have the Bridge to Life app. We have the... Uh, Romans robe app, We ha- we ha- there's apps for that, okay? So most of you are thinking, hey, that's a good idea. I should put that on my phone, then I'll always be ready. But I will guarantee you that the next time you go to, to, to talk to someone, you'll have forgotten. Okay? So we're going to do it right now. Here are the, the sites. Can we put them up? Pull out your phone. And this is the first time I'm going to give you permission to pull out your phone And download an app while you're sitting in church. We have free Wi-Fi here. It's called Public, I believe. Right, Matt? Is that? Yeah, we're good. So here are some. So the first one is Share Your Faith. Now, this app is um, the Bridge to Life illustration. So so on Friday, I was with a young man. I was in McDonald's. And I used this this. I didn't use the app. I didn't have the app. So what did I have to do? I, well, I looked around in my jacket for a pen because I wanted to draw the Bridge to Life illustration for him, but I couldn't find a pen. So I'm in McDonald's, I'm. what do you do, right? So I grabbed two napkins, placed them on the table, I said, look, here's God over on this side on this napkin. Just assume that it's like a, like a, um, a cliff, yes. A, and then there's this big gap. Thank you, someone knows the illustration. And there's this, you're on this other side, and you can't get over to God. And I explained to him, you know, and I, and I took my, my little straw from my, from my Coke, right? And I ripped a little piece off, and I said, sometimes people go to church, and they think that that's going to help them get to God. And, they, and I put it on the one side there, trying to bridge the gap. And I took another little piece of my, my straw, and I, I put another piece there. I said, some people try to get to God by, by uh, you know, doing good things or memorizing the Bible. Or, and I said a bunch of things, and, and not being evil, and all this kind of stuff. And then I explained to him how, you know, no matter what we did, we can't measure up to what God requires, which is perfection, never sinning, always doing good. And I explained what sins were. And I asked him, you think you could swim to England? He said, no. You think I could swim to England? He said, no, I don't think so. I I said, do you think an Olympic swimmer could swim to England? No, I don't think so. No, you're right. Nobody can swim to England. It's too far. Nobody can be righteous before God either. And then I took took another straw, and I ripped it in half and made a cross like that, and put it between the two napkins, like the bridge. And I said, but Jesus Christ died on the cross so that your sins could be washed away, and if you put your faith in Christ, go over the bridge. And the young man said, that's really cool. I've never heard it quite like that. I get it. And he prayed, asked... He confessed his sins, asked Jesus to come into his heart. It is not a complicated thing, but you have to have an effective message. Right? So have you downloaded something yet? I don't hear anything. <laughs> Almost. Okay, well, i give you permission to keep working on it, and let's have at least one of the screens keep this information up for the next 10 minutes or so, so that you can actually type it in and do it. I, You know, they say... What do they say? Uh, nothing like the present, or something like that. Uh, so, anyways, the next one is uh, steps the four spiritual laws. The third one, just men, don't worry about the fact that it's about from a Christian lady's website. It's okay. It's about the steps to peace with God. This is a Billy Graham type track. And then the 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 fourth one is dare to share. Now, this is more geared to young people. It's a complicated app. You actually. You don't have to be a young person just to use the thing because there's all kinds of buttons to push. And so, uh, also, I, I want to show you a little bit about the app. It's, it's kind of cool because it's based on a video that went viral. And uh, so, we're just going to show the first 40 seconds of the viral uh, the video clip. Um, it's from Dare to Share Ministries. it's the full story of life crushed into four minutes the entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence listen it's intense right god our sins paying everyone life the greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told god yes god The maker and giver of life, and by life I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can't be touched. Thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look. Thanks, I just want, I'm just giving you a teaser. You're going to have to look it up yourself and see the rest of it, okay, because I want you to do that. I want you to look it up. I want you to download the video. I want you to get the app and be able to share that with your friends. This guy, it's a great, it's a great uh, presentation of the gospel. It's really good. Uh, might not be great for, you know, my parents or something, but for some of the young people here, I think it's pretty cool. So what does it say in the Bible? At Iconium, Paul and Barnas went, as usual, into the synagogue, and they spoke so effectively that a number of Jews and Gentiles believed. Let's be effective in our training, in our equipping ourselves. Let's get the app. We almost all have cell phones. And it's very easy. Just, hey, you know, have you ever heard of the four spiritual laws? No, I've never heard of it. Pull out your phone. Click, click, click. Here's law number one. You read it. They can read it. You, they read a verse. You read the text. I don't know, whatever. And you just go through it. Very simple. Very easy to do. But I don't want want you to think that that Paul and Barnabas were, you know, Paul, Paul spent three years just studying off by himself, so he prepared for this. But I don't want you to think that if you just simply get the app and, you know, read it a few times over and get really familiar with it, that you're now fully prepared and you can share the gospel and people will get saved. No, that's not true. You also need a second ingredient, and the second ingredient is probably even more important than the first ingredient. And The second ingredient is you need the power of God, and that's what makes you effective in your testimony and sharing your faith with people. Um, this is what, he, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter two. "When I came to you, I did not come with elegance, eloquence or human wisdom as to proclaim to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified." This, this is the message, OK folks. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you don't remember anything else, if you don't have your your phone, you don't have your Bible, you don't have anything, you need to remember Jesus Christ crucified paid for sins. That's it. Really the core of the gospel, that's what people need to know. Um, But he says, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We need the power of God with us. We need to be prayed up and walking with God if we want to be effective in sharing our faith. Now, there's been times when I've shared my faith with other people, and I wasn't that prayed up. I wasn't that prepared spiritually. But God still was able to use me it was sort of like he kind of twisted me, cornered me, and I didn't have any choice but to share the gospel. And I did, and he worked. So don't let your lack of spirituality hold you back. But I'm telling you, you'll be way more effective, and you'll, ha- you'll make the most of every opportunity if you are uh, walking with God effectively. So um, in verse 3, Paul... It says that Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly about the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Sorry, we don't have a clock anymore, and I want to keep keep tabs on the time so I don't go too much over time. So they spent considerable time. Sometimes we have to give people the time To consider what is being talked about. Sometimes when I share the gospel with people, I say this to them. I say, you know what? You can go home and think some more about this. Or we can talk again another time if you'd you'd like to to hash this through. Or we can ask Christ to come into your heart right here, right now. I I give them the choice. About about 95% of the time, if they're willing to, they will say, okay, well, why don't we do it right now? But about one in 20 says, you know what, I want to do this at home. And and I find out afterwards that in fact they did pray and receive Christ at home on their own after thinking about it and mulling it over. And so um, give them the option. Give them time. Sometimes, you know, people aren't going to be convinced the first time you, you share with them. Uh, there's one young man that, that I've told him that I'm going to give him a book uh, on uh, apologetics because... He he knows a lot about Christianity. He knows the gospel isn't going to help him any because he knows the gospel. But what he wants to know is, is it true? And so I'm going to give him uh, the book uh, by uh, not Francis Schaeffer. What the the uh, guy from uh, from uh, uh, India, mm. Ravi Zacharias. Thank you. I knew you'd know it. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I plan on giving him that book, and a book on apologetics, because some people need time. They, they, they're just not going to just go, oh, wow, that, uh, you're a great preacher, you're a great, you know, what an awesome four spiritual laws presentation you did there. Uh, of course I'll give my life to Christ. Not all of them are going to respond that way. Some really need a lot of time to think through all the things so that when they make the commitment to Christ, it's sure and solid and, and firm. I read about a four-year-old, staying with his grandma, and uh, he said, "Uh, Grandma, I want unch. You want what, she said? I want unch. You mean you want lunch? Yes, I want unch. Grandma, I'm not going to give it to you until you say it correctly. Now, what do you want? I want unch. Say it right. What do you want? He finally took his grandma's head and aimed it right at his face and said, Grandma, Read my ips. (laughs) Sometimes we need a little patience with people, don't we? We don't just quite get everything perfect, right, the first time. And we need to recognize that it takes patience to raise children. It takes patience to share the gospel. Not everyone is just like, oh, that's incredible. I'm going to believe in Christ right now. Some are, and some are ready. And sometimes, I've heard many times people say to me, I've never heard it explained like that before. I don't know why I've never heard that before. And they accept Christ. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Since God is patient with people, we must learn to be. Right? God's patient. We need to be. And I've heard of people praying for up to 60 years for the conversion of a brother or a friend. And they're patient. Then the next thing they did. So the first thing is they had an effective message. Uh, The next thing is that they gave people time. The third thing is um, that they discerned those who had faith. And I think this is very important that we discern our audience to figure out who has faith and who doesn't. Because if you look in verse 8 and 9, it says, In Lister there said a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking and Paul looked directly at him. And look what it says there. And saw that he had faith to be healed. Now did the guy have stamped on his forehead, I have faith. (laughs) What? What was Paul seeing? The Holy Spirit saw. And there must have been some kind of internal voice that the Holy Spirit was somehow showing him that this man had faith. And so Paul saw with the spiritual eyes through the Holy Spirit that this man had the faith to be healed. And I believe that it doesn't take a genius to figure out who has faith to be saved and who doesn't. There are some people, when I'm sharing the gospel with them, they want to do nothing. The last thing in the world that they want to do is to be caught by the pastor sharing about Christ. And they're looking out the window, and they're humming and hawing, and they're looking at their watch, and they're, they don't want to hear the gospel. And the Bible says, don't throw your pearls before swine. And it's not worth the effort. You just kind of go, okay, well, fine. You know, I don't have to meet with you. you know? And we need to discern who has faith. And we need to discern who's interested and who's leaning forward in their chair and, and who's asking questions. And what do you mean by that? And those are the people that we recognize that God is working on. I remember one lady who, who asked question after question. I thought she was attacking me almost. But she asked so many questions. But she was just hungry. She wanted to know what was the truth. And she was asking them, trying to catch me, trying to trick me, I think. And uh, I, was, I just kept giving her answers and she finally said, okay, yeah, this makes sense. So discern which ones have faith and respond to those. Um, last Sunday, someone uh, waited for about a half an hour to talk with me. I didn't. Uh, I, there was no genius revelation. Oh, this guy might be interested in the gospel, you know? And I was able to share the gospel with him this week on Thursday, right? Yeah, he's here today. And, you know, it didn't take much figuring out that, oh, he's interested in the gospel. And so look around, watch people. Share a little bit of Christ, see what happens. If you share a little bit with a few people, someone will come and say, what was that all about? And then you'll know they're interested, and you'll see that they have faith to be healed or faith to be saved. This is what the Bible says: um, we need to do good, discern those with faith, and then we need to do good. Um, he's, Peter Paul calls out, "Stand up on your feet!" And the man jumped up and began to walk. And so we need to do good to the people around us. And so I know lots of you think, "Well, I can't heal anybody." How do you know? Have you ever tried? Have you ever prayed for someone? Some of you say, yes, I have, actually. (laughs) Okay, you don't do the healing God does. We can still pray, and maybe they don't get healed. But you can always do good. You can always be kind to your neighbor. You can always reach out to a friend. You can always uh, help a neighbor mow their lawn or whatever. Um, Peter characterized Peter characterize Jesus as someone who went about doing good and we can be the same kind of people we can be like little Christ going going about doing good next we we also need to be humble you know I didn't I don't know if I have time to tell the story Uh, I'll tell it really quick they they get to Lystra and uh so they see this this guy um, and they heal him and the people go like whoa did you see that that guy who was lame from birth just got healed. The, the gods must have come down. This must be Zeus and... Uh, I will forget the other guy. But anyways, they, they say they are two gods. And, they, and then, so the, the priests of the temple go rushing off. and they, they go get some sacrifices. They come back. And they're about to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And, and, and because they think they're gods. And what does Paul and Barnabas say? Whoa, 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 whoa. We're just men. We're just people just like you. They were humble. And sometimes, you know, we can think way too highly of ourselves. And we need to recognize that that we're just servants of God. Hudson Taylor was scheduled to speak at a large Presbyterian church in Melbourne, Australia. And the moderator of the service introduced the missionary in eloquent and glowing terms. He told the large, large congregation that Tyler had what all that Tyler had accomplished in China and then presented him as our illustrious guest. Tyler, Taylor stood quietly for a moment and they opened his message by saying, Dear friends, I am only a little servant of an illustrious master. He set them straight. He said, No, I'm just a little servant of an illustrious master. That's the right spirit, the right attitude. The Bible says, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then last point I want to make this morning is expect some opposition. (laughs) In uh, verse 21 and 22 it says, they returned... To Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Okay, so they went backwards. Uh, they got to Derby. I don't know. Just imagine in your mind, Derby's over here, and they went back like that, all the way through the towns they had just been kicked out of, and in fact, they had been stoned in one town. So they went back to those places, and uh, and it says that they strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. And then they said this. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I, I want you to imagine these Christians. They're all gathered around. Now, they've been told the gospel about how great Jesus was and how his, his riches and his bounty and his grace extends towards them and how fantastic it is to be a Christian. And then Paul comes to them and, he's, and he says, and, he, and he's standing there, you know, and he's got a, a couple of teeth knocked out, his eyes still a little bit black and blue, his arm still in a sling maybe, and maybe he's having trouble breathing because of that cracked rib, you know, and he says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, <laughs> get the picture, I mean, he's a living example of this, <laughs> you know, as he goes back through all these towns. And so anyone who teaches that you know God is just going to give us an overflowing life of bounty and riches and that God wants us to have prosperity and we're the child of the king. We're a child of the king, all right. But a lot of the blessings and a lot of the stuff, the glorious riches that Paul is talking about, they're about a relationship with a person. They're about the future of heaven. They're not about preaching the gospel on the street and getting kicked in the teeth. Because <laughs> that's part of it. And he says, we must go through much tribulation to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not an easy street. It's not just a, oh, this is, this is a walk in the park. No, Paul's <laughs> a living example of how tough it is. So next time you hear a preacher saying, oh, God wants to erase all your debts and give you lots of money, just think, well, maybe that's not all of the picture. I I believe God does want to bless his children, and I believe that he even blesses them financially, especially if they they do what he says, and and they tithe, and he says he'll, he'll open up the floodgates of heaven. Definitely he'll bless them. But let's not get so pigeonholed about that particular aspect of the gospel That we forget that Jesus Christ said also, in this life you will have trouble. And Jesus said that you will be persecuted. You will be. He didn't say you might be persecuted. He said you will be. And, And Paul, writing about this, he says, in fact, everyone who, this is what he wrote to Timothy, a young pastor. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wow. So if you're not persecuted, maybe it means you're not living a godly life. I don't know. uh, Opposition will come. Um, I think I'll leave it there. When you think of these martyrs that gave their lives and the passion that fueled that, the passion for the gospel, the cause... When you think of Paul and Barnabas getting beat up, beat to death virtually, dragged out of the city, just a lump of flesh, dragged out of the city, left outside of the city to rot. A few brothers gather around and, oh, look, he's still breathing. Oh, look, let's, gets up, takes him back to the city and just goes on and preaches some more. When I think of that, I'm I'm just blown away. And I think of, you know, oh, it's a little inconvenient tonight. I've been, you know, at work all day, and now this person's phoning me, and they want me to go and visit them. and <sighs> That is not the attitude that Paul had. So I want to just, you know, maybe we need to spend a moment just asking God for that kind of passion to renew. Maybe, maybe he used to have that passion. Maybe you used to be like, like Jeremiah Small, or maybe you used to, to pound, on, pound on the pavement and go downtown with Abdel, but maybe that's no longer happening. I don't know. But let's just pray and ask God to give us what we need. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for the blood of Christ that washes us away of all our sins and for the incredible riches of your glory. And the love that you've lav- lavished upon us. And we pray, Lord, that you would never allow us to keep that to ourselves. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like Paul and Barnas and these others who, who didn't think that much of their life. That they couldn't share the gospel with their friends and family. And strangers. So Lord, we pray that you would give us your Holy Spirit. And empower us with that kind of passion. To preach the gospel. And Lord, we pray that you would not allow us to just always look for the easy street, but to recognize that in sharing the gospel, we participate in the riches of the gospel. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us opportunities to share our faith. Lord, this week we just ask that there would be people who, who we come in contact with that we can share our faith with.